watching an episode of The Chosen, and then um, like this last week, we had like 29, 30 people here, and we just split up into these tables and did some discussion afterwards. It was actually super fun, a lot of great energy, good to be together, so we invite you to join us for week two of The Chosen, 6.30 on Tuesday night. Oh, and if you were here, and you know that flashing blue screen technical difficulty, we got that fixed, so there you go. Please come back. Yes, I know. It was really annoying. Yeah. I was about to pull my hair out. So, um, and I've I'm, I'm got trouble already, so yeah, that's not good. Well, hey, let's, uh, let's pray, and then uh, we'll dive into the message. <sighs> Holy Spirit, um, as we've been praying for months and months, Holy Spirit, come. Come with your breath, with your rain. Come with your new wine, with your life, with your grace. Come with your gifts. Holy Spirit, come and richly dwell among us. I pray you would completely fill us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, well, welcome to the Arizona summertime. Anybody excited about our temperatures this week? Yeah, me neither. Just to remind you, here's the forecast. What do you think of that? Yeah, I love you too. I really do, or I wouldn't live here anymore. Um, uh, yeah, so I've lived here. This is my 22nd summer. Um, I've got a few pro tips for surviving the Arizona uh, heat, but I know that you guys, some of you have been here much longer. What are some of your kind of pro tips for surviving the heat? Just, just holler them out. What was that? Leave? That's a good one. Yeah. Stay inside. That's good. Go up north. That's good. Stay in the air conditioning. I'm waiting for somebody that's going to offer their pool to all of us here. Just sign up for those of us that don't have a pool. Valerie has a pool, everybody. Uh, Valerie's taking sign-ups. So um, uh, here's one of my pro tips. Uh, this is very important. Uh, we have a fan in every house, not just a ceiling fan, but in many of our rooms, we also have other fans. This is my favorite old fan that's got all kinds of crap in there. Oh, that's nasty. Um, but fans, fans everywhere, because even with the air on, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to have a fan going. In fact, I'm going to ask my, uh, my wife, Heidi, best wife on the planet, here to help me out here. Um, it gets a little hot up here sometimes with these stage lights, so, uh, you know, it'd be good to have... Wow, that looks like it's going to take a dive, but here we go. Anyway, that'll make the sermon illustration even more interesting. Um, so, so, Heidi, will you turn that fan on? It gets a little hot with the lights in here. Um, have you tried all the numbers? There's a one, two, and a three. Not, no. Oh, will you try blowing on it? Just like blow on the blades. Can you get it going for me? That's starting a little bit. I don't feel it though. It's making um, you very dizzy. It's making you dizzy. Why don't you come around? Can you like spin it? Maybe that'll give me some, some ventilate. That'll work my upper body strength. Good upper body workout. But yeah, I'm sorry. That's not, that's not really working um, right there. I don't think that'll help, so. Oh, it's not plugged in. Oh, thank you. See, that's why she's best wife on the planet. Will you, will you plug that in now? Oh, thank you. Oh, that's wonderful. Just don't stick my fingers in there. Wow, maybe, maybe knock it down a couple notches, but that's lovely right there. Thank you. Will you guys, will you guys thank my wonderful best wife on the planet? See, you can have a fan, you can own a fan, you can own lots of fans, um, we can even have the fan sitting there ready to go, but unless it's plugged in, right, 
Nothing's going to happen. That fan is really not going to do anything until we plug it in. And friends, I think that's really similar, very true of our own lives, our spiritual walk, those of us who are followers of Jesus. When it comes to the Holy Spirit in our life, um, you can be a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit, right? Scripture tells us that when you start to follow Jesus, you give your life to him, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's right there. He never leaves, never forsakes us. Holy Spirit is within us. Um, So the gifts and the power of the Spirit are also available to us. But I think that one of the reasons that many of us might miss out on the power of the Holy Spirit is because we haven't plugged into the Holy Spirit. We haven't plugged in. So Holy Spirit's right there, but we haven't plugged in. It's available, but it doesn't do anything until we plug it in. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's what Jesus said, Acts chapter 1, to his disciples, just as he was about to ascend back into heaven, he says to them, and therefore to you and me, Acts 1, 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, notice the word, upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, what? Upon you. And then he says, that power then will be on display as you tell the whole world about me. Well, we're in a series of messages that we are calling Supernatural. And in this series, we've been looking at the unseen world. And this past month, we've been looking at the Holy Spirit. And I just want to summarize, before we dive into the rest of this message, I want to summarize something that's, that's really important from last week's message. Um, and I want to highlight, and we covered it more in detail last week, but, but, but there's a difference between the Holy Spirit within you and the Holy Spirit coming upon you or filling you. And a lot of times people get hung up because they know really good theology that, that when you become a follower of Jesus and you have that, that new life of God in you, that you get the Holy Spirit. Like that happens. The Holy Spirit is in you. That's true. And then they say, therefore, and this is where I think that their clarification needs to be made. They would then, some of them say, well, therefore, since the Holy Spirit's already within you, you don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't need to come upon you because you already have the Holy Spirit. And I submit and taught about this last week that, that we need both. The Holy Spirit within you, that's real. And we need the Holy Spirit to come upon us where we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. And, and just one real quick place that we looked at last week in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. The Apostle Paul actually commands, he uses a word that's command here, um, he commands us to be, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And that filled word right there, we looked at this. It doesn't mean just be filled once. It means over and over and over and again and again. Be filled over and over again. And that's one of the reasons that I believe um, and would say that, that it's both. The Holy Spirit, yes, is within you. And we also need the Holy Spirit to come upon us. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit again and again, and again, and to me, it's actually kind of a relief to know that it's normal that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit again, and again, and again, because I leak, <laughs> right? Yeah, you get filled, right? Anybody else, like, yeah, I get filled and I leak, right? So I need that filling again and again. 
to come upon me. We need the Holy Spirit to come upon and fill us over and over. I also know that for some of us, um, this talk of the Holy Spirit coming upon us or filling us makes us a little nervous. Um, Lots of Christians come from context for whatever reason. This idea of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't get talked about. And so either it's just kind of put on the shelf, maybe that's why this makes us nervous, like, eh, we really don't talk about it, we know it's in the Bible, or we come from a place where it gets explained away, and we talked a little of those ideas last week to sort of remove some of those obstacles, but but people get nervous because they think, well, that's not for today. Um, Others have seen the gifts of the Spirit abused. Um, Maybe we've seen... The gifts abused or we've seen fraudulent thing happen and we go, I want nothing to do with that. And I totally get it. Been there. Still get very nervous in many of those contexts. Um, uh, and sometimes those of us that know we have seen the Holy Spirit's supernatural gifts in operation. We've seen it, but we have to admit, man, it's weird, right? Anyone seen it? you just like, I think that was real, but it was weird. <laughs> and... Um, So for whatever reason, whatever reason, any of those reasons and probably a dozen others, some of us often get kind of closed off even to having a curiosity about what the Bible says and teaches when we read these passages about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit coming upon someone or the empowerment of the Spirit. And so we get nervous about what that would look like. And so we just don't want any part of it really in our own life or maybe even in our own church. Um, And by the way, if that describes you, if you're kind of in that Holy Spirit nervous category, um, you're in good company. Um, In fact, the Covenant, our denomination, originally was a bunch of Swedish Lutherans. So how much Holy Spirit (laughs) empowerment do you think we saw, at least in the early days, right? But now, in the last few decades, because we are now the most um, racially diverse denomination, we are seeing the Holy Spirit moving more and more in our own Covenant churches, which we know and recognize happens oftentimes in um, people from different cultural backgrounds, and we see that, our leadership sees that as a gift to our denomination to open us up and help us be taught and learn about these things. So if you're a Holy Spirit nervous person, it's okay, you're in good company, there's no shame, maybe you haven't seen it or you were weirded out by it, and it's okay, it's okay. and I want you to know that if you're nervous about that, 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 that other people who are very excited about the gifts, um, like we don't make any room for you to get looked down on by folks that are open to the gifts, right? There's no second-class Christian. You're not a second-class Christian if you're not experiencing some of those things. Um, and if you are someone that's walking in those areas, it doesn't mean you are closer to God, does it make you more spiritually advanced? Um, we don't operate that way at all because there's no room in the family of God to look down on people who haven't entered into this area and, and even looked into what it means to be filled with the Spirit. But with all of that said and all the grace around it, uh, friends, how many of you know that we as the people of God need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit if we're going to do what Jesus called us to do? We are going to need his empowerment. In fact, last Sunday I mentioned, um, um, and we didn't have it on the screen, so we'll put it up this week. I mentioned that, that I think that what Jesus said in John 14, verse 12, is almost 
unbelievable. And let's, let's read it out loud, loudly together. Let's read this. Very truly, oh, it's all of us. Ready? Here we go. Let's try again, right? Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. What? <laughs> greater things than Jesus did? Like, do you think about some of the things that Jesus did. Like, does he mean that, 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 that blind people begin to see, crippled people begin to walk, oppressed people are set free, demons are cast out, dead people come back to life? Like, like those kinds of greater things? Is that what he means? I tend to think, yeah. <laughs> those things and greater things than these. And you know, sometimes um, I've been at churches or worked in churches and I kind of go, listen, you know what? If we just want to play church, then by all means, there's no need for us to seek the empowerment or the filling of the Holy Spirit. If you want to play church, that's, go do it. But I don't have the energy for that. And I'm so grateful to be in a church here that also does not have any interest in living that way. I'm so glad that, that you and I are aware that we need more than we have. If we're going to do what Jesus called us to do, if we're going to step into the power that Jesus offered us to, to see blind people gain sight Crippled people begin to walk. Oppressed people set free. Dead people come to life. And we're going to see that. What you and I, I know we want to see as a community, we're going to need to be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, we, we know that it's not doable. Seeing that stuff happen, it's not doable on our own. It is not going to happen on our own. Not with our own skills, not with our own abilities, not with our own power. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. What we need are the gifts and the empowerment offered to us by the Holy Spirit to fill us and come upon us. In fact, and this is where I want to spend the rest of our time, in fact, even Jesus needed that. Even Jesus needed the gifts and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to fill him, to come upon him. And so what I want to spend time here doing is looking at the book of Luke, we're just going to hit a few different parts of the storyline of Jesus, especially early in his life. Now, the book of Luke starts out, right? Birth of Jesus, wonderful, good stuff, chapter 1 and 2. And then it skips ahead. The next thing we find out about Jesus is when he's about 12 and he gets, remember the story where he gets lost at the temple? His parents lose him for a few days, right, at the temple. It's like the only childhood story we really have a picture of. And then... Right after that story, here's what it says at the end of Luke 2. The last verse of Luke 2, verse 52, says this, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That's all we know there. That's the span of his childhood. That's all we get. The next time we see Jesus, flip the page, Luke chapter 3, halfway down here. The next thing that we run into Jesus, the next time... We run into Jesus. He's an adult man. And in Luke 3, verse 14, I'm sorry, verse 21, um, the story of Jesus right here now shifts gears. Shifts gears. 
Uh, Verse 21 says this. Now, all the people were being baptized, and so Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was open. The Holy Spirit descended, what's that word? Descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven. You are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. And again, notice that word. We see it again, right? The Holy Spirit came upon him. Now, Great fun quote that we'll kind of bounce back to a few times here from Gary Kinneman. Um, he got us started a few weeks ago in our Holy Spirit series here where he came on Pentecost Sunday and talked about the Holy Spirit. Gary says this, before he was baptized, <laughs> Jesus was a good Christian, and at his baptism, he became a good Pentecostal. <laughs> All right, think about that for just a minute. Before he was baptized, he would be what we call today, at least, a good Christian. By the way, the word Christian wasn't even invented until much later when, when followers Jesus in the early church were described as little Christs or Christians. So then that question is, was Jesus a Christian? Sorry, sorry, we won't, go, we won't unpack that one today. Sorry, topic for another day. Where were we? Um, before he was baptized, Jesus was what we would call, you know, today, a good Christian, right? Um, and again, that would have been great, right? A good Christian, remember we read that verse at the end of Luke chapter 2, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. People loved him, he was great, right? That was before he was baptized and the Spirit came upon him. And Gary Kinneman says about that, that was the Holy Spirit within him, right? Spirit of God within Jesus, just like you and me when we come to faith in Jesus. So that's the Spirit of God in him, good Christian. And then the other sentence Gary says, um, at his baptism, he became a good Pentecostal. (laughs) Um, Which again, by the way, that term didn't exist either back then, so you can relax if you're getting kind of ready to write me letters. Um, um, There wasn't a charismatic or Pentecostal label back then. It was just normal to operate and experience uh, the gifts, right? So before Jesus was baptized, favor with God and man, he was a good Christian, Um, at his baptism, he became a good Pentecostal. So now what happens when he becomes a good Pentecostal? Well, let's keep reading on. Um, The storyline in Luke. Uh, Jesus, with the Spirit upon him, this good Pentecostal, suddenly it says his ministry began. Once the Spirit of God came upon Jesus, this is where his ministry began, and it was full of power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, in Jesus' life, it went from we don't know much to bang, there are miracles, healing. He's walking on water. He's feeding the 5,000. He's raising the dead. And people were drawn to him. The Spirit of God had come upon Jesus. He was plugged in and something was different. That's where his ministry began when the Holy Spirit came upon him. He's a, we could say, a good Pentecostal. He's walking in the power of the Spirit. So there's good stuff, but this doesn't go unnoticed. This actually begins to make some waves. Because all the good stuff that happened was great, but it was not an easy ride. If you've read your, uh, the Gospels, if you've read Scripture, you know that Jesus, he went from having the favor of God and people to becoming this very polarizing figure. You ever notice that in Scripture? When all the good stuff happens and he's doing all these amazing things suddenly the opposition rises up. Isn't that interesting? Before that, nobody paid attention. But now the Spirit's upon him. All these things happen, and, and all hell breaks loose. 
Um, good stuff happens, but it's all out cosmic and spiritual war that begins to rise up. Here's an example of that. Just next chapter. We're just keeping the next story, right? Luke chapter 4, verse 1 says, Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and this is where, I'll stop it right there, but this is where Jesus is tempted in the wilderness by Satan. And we've preached through this story, Jim and I both have a few times. Um, but again, full of the Holy Spirit, he goes into that temptation. And I think it's important for us to remember he was full of the Holy Spirit. And that is a big part of how he overcame the temptations that were coming at him. So that happens. And then after he's 40 days in the desert, what happens next? Verse 14, we look down to verse 14. Here's the next story. Jesus is done with the temptation in the desert. It says, verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee. And notice, he is filled with the Holy Spirit's power. It's showing us again. These aren't incidental mentions. It says, reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone, the favor of God and people. Verse 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So he's going to church, right? He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And by the way, we love this passage here at, at Hope. Um, this is the mission of Jesus. He's about to announce his mission. He is proclaiming why it is that he came and what it is that he will do. Here, here's what Jesus reads, verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is what? Upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse 20, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Again, picture this. These are his neighbors where he grew up. They loved him, right? They loved him up till now. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue fastened upon him. He began by saying to them, today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, I just want to pause for a second, but did you notice in verse 18, even how his, um, how his proclamation starts here? It says, the spirit of the Lord is what? Upon me. It's upon me. See, again, the spirit of the Lord comes upon Jesus. That's where the power for his ministry comes from. That's how the good stuff happens, right? The spirit filling him, coming upon him. So it's good, right? The spirit of God upon him is really good. But like I said, there's some blowback as well. Because what happens in this story shows us that the spirit of the Lord coming upon him um, also ends up being a little dicey. <laughs> uh, verse 29 here. This is a result of the spirit of the Lord being upon Jesus. Verse 29 the crowd, his, his hometown team, his neighbors that grew, he grew up around, his, his own people turn on him right here in his hometown. This, this young man that they were so impressed with, who, who, who they had given him the favor, their favor, they were impressed with Jesus. Suddenly, though, when Jesus has the spirit upon him, Jesus becomes someone they try to kill. I mean, verse 29, this is the same story. A lot of times we stop a little soon. This is the same story. 
They got up, verse 29, drove him out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. The spirit of the Lord is on Jesus, and as a result, they march him up to the hill to throw him off the cliff, but he just sneaks out and gets away. What in the world is happening in this story? What is going on? And maybe what is God trying to show us about this? I mean, when you and I think about the Holy Spirit coming upon us and empowering us, I initially would be like, well, how could there be any conflict? People are getting healed and set free and delivered. I mean, right? Like, it'd be great if that happened more and more amongst us. And, and so how would a nice church service full of Jesus' neighbors turn into an attempt to kill him? I guess it had something to do with his sermon, right? I mean, you know, you've probably been to a sermon. You've probably heard a sermon and kind of rolled your eyes, you know. Um, or, or maybe you heard a sermon that missed the mark or bored you to tears. Or, or maybe you heard a sermon that just plain sucked and the odds are good that I was the one that preached it, so it's okay. Just don't say amen, please. Um, not to that one. But I'm guessing that all of us have probably heard even a sermon that offended us a little bit. We've had our share of that here at Hope. Um, can think of a bunch of stories, but you don't want to be here all day. So uh, you, this is a bonus, though, that you get that the first service didn't get. You're welcome. Um, th- there, there was a guy who was very offended. I actually left our church um, early on when I was first here when I, you know, reminded everyone just very simply that God is not a Republican or a Democrat. Like that the, right? the kingdom of God is more concerned with our love for people than our political opinions And I reminded all of us, like, hey, followers of Jesus, we don't have permission to be horrible to the people we disagree with politically. So this guy, you know, he left. He probably wasn't the only one, right? Um, There there have been times where we just read scriptures um, and prayed for people that scripture says to pray for, like, you know, foreigners and aliens in our country. And um, we used to get these anonymous uh, prayer requests they were really comment cards, but we used to have prayer request cards in all the chairs, and so the anonymous prayer requests were often disguised as prayer requests, but they weren't really prayer requests. They were just, you know, kind of complaints. Um, and I wasn't sure what to do, like apologize for reading scripture in church. I mean, uh, um, anyway, but people, you know, right? Preachers preach, and, and sometimes we preach stuff that people like and that don't people like, and that um, sometimes, you know, People get offended. People get offended. People leave. People are stupid, right? No, no, no. (laughs) Sorry. That slipped out. Just slipped out, right? But here's the deal. I can't imagine what Jesus went through. The scenario that he went through, like, like think about this. I... If I really tick all of you off some week, I still can't imagine you guys hauling me to the top of this building to throw me off the roof. Oh, I'm going to try over here. I can't imagine you guys, maybe those guys, all right, made the mistake of asking that of Bruce Heimke's over here, and he assured me, yeah, first service he would, so. But, 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 but here's Jesus, right? Full of the Spirit, Spirit come upon him, doing miracles, healing people, and 
Also, we have to remember, along with all the good stuff, he jumped headlong into spiritual warfare, didn't he? Um, the enemy was not about to take the work of the kingdom lying down. <laughs> and this is even more pressing, and this is what really got my attention out of this story, that that spiritual warfare in Jesus' instance, who did it come through? It came through really good, nice, religious people. That's who the warfare came through. Back to Gary Kinneman. Again, he reminds us from the time then that Jesus was baptized and the Spirit came upon him. Gary notes that Jesus' life from that point on was also marked by spiritual warfare, misunderstandings, and conflict. People thought he was from the devil. <clears throat> Sounds like a Pentecostal again. Sorry, okay, back to the, uh, yeah. I grew up in that, so if you haven't heard, heard me say that before. Um, but all that stuff was also the result of the Spirit coming upon him, which gives me pause for a couple of reasons. One reason that it gives me pause in seeing that is that, that I think we need to remember that if God is at work, even in ways that I don't fully understand, I do not want to oppose something that God is up to. Right? Even if I don't get it, I don't want to oppose that. And, and listen, sometimes the spirit-filled people in the church world around us take a lot of heat for what they do. And I'm not saying that it doesn't look weird sometimes. I'm not saying that everything that we hear taught from folks in that kind of circle of the church world, I'm not saying that what they teach is always scriptural, but, 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 I do not want to throw, um, I do not want to throw out the Holy Spirit baby with the crazy bathwater. And I look at that story with Jesus, and I'm sure that those nice religious people who misunderstood Jesus, they would have never guessed that they were actually partnering with the enemy by attacking Jesus. They thought that they were the correct theology, the correct doctrine. They were the faithful. They were the studied ones. They were the devout. They were the good religious people. That's what they thought, but it turns out they were deceived. They would have never guessed they were on the wrong side. And so I don't want to be on the wrong side of this stuff either. Like, I don't want to write off people who do things that I don't fully understand. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't want to write them off. Because the truth is, my friends, that, that the Spirit of God is at work in many of those kinds of places that maybe we're not as familiar with. The Spirit of God is at work with many of those kinds of people as well. In fact, think about this. How many of you know that the church in the U.S. is in decline? Our numbers are shrinking. Take it out of the U.S. and just look globally, and Christianity is growing. Did you know that? Our global church is making up for the deficit in the U.S. and continues to grow. And most of that growth is happening in, in spirit-filled churches around the world. That's where the fastest growth is happening. People that are hungry for the Spirit of God. So I look at that, and I think, you know what? If God is at work, even in ways that I don't fully understand, 
I do not want to oppose something that God is up to. And friends, when you hear someone or if you are tempted to be someone who pounds away at other churches that see things differently when it comes to the openness of the spirit, just you might think about taking a step back on it. That's my posture. I don't necessarily get it, but I'm not going to oppose what God's up to. That's one thing that I take away from this story. The other one's a little shorter. My takeaway, too, from noticing that the spirit coming upon Jesus is noticing that that accusation, the opposition, the spiritual warfare, seeing all that stuff reminds me that being a person filled with the spirit, it sounds like fun, and by the way, it is, but the more we do step into this, we just need to be aware that, that, that it also means that as we are more filled with the spirit and operating in these ways, there will be opposition criticism and misunderstanding and spiritual warfare. Stepping into the fullness of the spirit, there will be all those things and that doesn't sound like fun, right? Especially in church, that stuff's not fun. And really, it is easier, much easier to just be complacent. It's easier to avoid controversy. You know, as as pastors and leaders and our elders here in the church, it's just way easier to kind of step back and go, listen, hey, let's don't, don't ask God to stretch us, to challenge us. Don't, don't ask God to help us step into things that we read in Scripture that maybe we haven't experienced or don't understand. No, 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 don't do that. Don't, don't ask the Holy Spirit to invite us into fullness. Let's not do any of that. Let's just stick to putting on a good show. Let's give a good talk, be funny, and call it a Sunday church service. But it sounds like That's not necessarily a part of the package. If we follow the model laid out for us by Jesus and then later his disciples and the early church, because when I look at their lives back then, I have to admit that since it was controversial for them to live as a people depending on the spirit to come upon them and fill them, it's gonna be controversial for us as well to lean into this. Because living filled with the spirit It's actually dangerous for good. See, living filled with the Spirit breaks down walls. It brings the kingdom of God to life. And the enemy hates that stuff. The enemy does not want to see people get set free, so it will be opposed sometimes by people who appear to be nice, religious church people. Worship team, will you come? The Apostle Paul reminds us of this battle that we're engaged in because it's easy to go, oh man, I'm gonna, be in, I'm gonna be against those people that are against people that are against the Holy Spirit, <laughs> right? And again, you see that all over the church. Um, lots of websites dedicated to telling the truth, you know. But the Apostle Paul, I believe, in Ephesians 6, 12, this is such a great reminder to us. Friends, our struggle is not against people, it's not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The battle is happening up here, even if it's coming through people. We don't need to be against people. And we don't wanna be on the wrong side of this. And so we need to expect that as we move into this, there will be warfare. But don't you wanna follow Jesus, right? Right? 
Don't you want to walk in his footsteps and see the things that he said we would be able to see when we follow him? Like we want to be prepared for the spiritual warfare. And friends, here at Hope, especially over the last five years, we have identified that, yeah, like, like the enemy has been set against Hope and tried to take us out because we refuse to just play church. <laughs> There has been a target, and we want to engage and press into the fullness of the Spirit um, because we know the enemy attacks people and churches that are trying to see others set free. So we want to be aware. We want to be aware that, that, that when you're living a life that is filled with the Spirit, it will be opposed. It will not be easy. But even so, wouldn't you still rather follow Jesus into the fullness of what he offers and joining Jesus in preaching good news to the poor, in setting captives free, and helping blind people see, seeing dead people come to life, wouldn't you rather see that? I know y'all don't want to play church. It's part of why I love being at this place. I love this church. Heidi and I love what God is, is, is up to. And so I want to invite us to this posture we talked a little bit about last week, but the posture is an invitation from Jesus and it actually pertains to the Holy Spirit when you read the whole thing. But the posture for us is to ask, to seek, and to knock. Ask, seek, and knock. And when Jesus said, ask and you'll, it'll be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. He actually in that place also, the Greek is translated, ask again and again and again, seek again and again, don't stop seeking, knock and do not stop knocking, the door will be open, because God wants to give us fullness of the Holy Spirit, so as we sing, let these words be your prayer, and take these moments, and let's make that our posture, friends, to ask, to seek, and to knock.